Grand Rising, everyone. Natalie coming to live. Spread of coffee. Got my coffee here. Oh, man. Life. The weirdest damn thing I think I've ever gone through. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to get into this book, but I, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Today, I have a lot on my mind that I think maybe I should talk about. Um, because I think it's relevant, um, and I think it's difficult. It's difficult to deal with what is happening with life, right, and understanding how to set boundaries. Now, boundaries is a big buzzword that's been coming up um, around psychology and in just in general, and I think what's happened is that we, as humans, don't know how to set healthy boundaries. Um, we may have not been taught how to do that, or it may, may have not been honored. Um, and we may not even realize when we're crossing a boundary um, and what that even means. So I want to talk about boundaries a little bit because it's coming up in my space and perhaps it'll help individuals. Hey, Kumar. Um, hey, Othaniel. Um, How to set boundaries and, and what can happen? What's the result of boundaries? Because I'm actually, it's not about... Um, just conceptual, but actually going through it and applying it to your life and what shows up when you actually do set these boundaries. Hey, The Rock, um, because there is a result and this is part of alchemy. And so this morning I was starting to think about, you know, alchemy and what the true meaning of it is and how it can affect or impact your life when you apply it. This is why it is very, very, very important that you understand the process of alchemy before you start applying concepts to your life, because what can happen is you can totally tear down the entire structure of your life. And most people don't know how to rebuild um, from the bottom up, especially if they've built a, a big tower, right? If you're setting a foundation and it's typically because we build in the comfort of the individuals that are around us. Now, there's nothing right, wrong, good, or bad about it. But when you start to understand the relationships and the interconnections and where boundaries are set and not set and what you're allowing and not allowing, because eventually if you're not setting those boundaries with individuals, it becomes resentment and it, it shows up eventually. And we see this with people who are particularly forgiving, kind, and you know, just continue to forgive and forgive and forgive and don't know how to set a boundary and keep it. Because why? Well, usually it's because they don't think they're enough. They don't think they're matter or they're afraid of losing something. If I set this boundary, if I tell this individual how I feel, then they're going to walk out of my life and then they will no longer come around and then I no longer matter. Um, so it's hard. Okay, and, and I did write about it this morning because once you set boundaries, you have to understand the consequences that come with it, right? I don't know. I haven't read a, a ton of books about what boundaries are, this and that. I've read, a, you know, we need to set boundaries. They're good for your well-being. Yeah, but what's on the opposite end of that? There's still this part of you that's going to lose individuals. People will leave your life when you set boundaries. And you have to understand what the consequence is going to be once you do it. And sometimes it's undoable. So you've got to be ready. If they don't come back into your life, remember the movie? Bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, and you can, but it's hard when it's people you love, people that your family, your, you know, and individuals like that. 
especially family. Now, here's what I was thinking about in terms of the alchemic process and, and applying this to our life, right? That we, as a society, don't know how to individuate properly. Now, we want to be individual. We, we talk about being individuals and individuality, and we laugh at, you know, children who are maybe in their 30s, 40s, still living with their parents. We think it's hilarious. Oh my God, they should be on their own. The reality is, is that we didn't ever live like that before. We always lived with our parents. We always had this co-connection to the people around us. If you go back to tribal times, there wasn't this individuality, but there is now. And we don't even know how to do it because we don't have rites of passage. We don't understand what healthy boundaries mean. So it's just a goulash of shit. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my language. And I started thinking about this. Where's the rites of passage? Where's our our ability to actually individuate, right? And 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 not be looked at as this person who's dysfunctional. It's not about that. It's about us trying to figure out how do we support an individual to come to their full adulthood, basically. We don't know how to do that anymore. I don't, at least I don't see it. There's tribes that do it. And when the tribes would come together, they had all of these um, hundred yard alchemists. Oh, cool. I've never, hi, good morning. Never seen you on here. Um, tell me what you do in alchemy, you alchemist. Um, and sorry if I'm not getting the words out um, good. It's just something that I'm going through right now and thinking about this morning in terms of how we go through the process. Um, it's uh, specifically in living in America right now and the way things are, right? We had rites of passage before. We don't anymore. There isn't a rites of passage. A rites of passage literally in the American mind is you're 18, get the hell out. It's just kick them out. That's it. Get out. Now, I'm not saying everybody does this, right? But then you have the dysfunctional who are maybe a little bit older and don't know how to individuate properly so that they can then be sustainable on their own. Now, is it right, wrong, good or bad? I don't know, it's not either, but it is a mess. I can tell you that right now. And I can tell you that going through the process is not easy, especially when you have people that you love involved in the process. And get ready for yourself to go through some pain and suffering, because that's exactly what I'm doing is <laughs> going through it. Um, I'm going through it because I'm trying to figure out who am I independent of the community. Now, here's the deal. They used to do this in tribes, right? There was um, rights, there was passages, rites of passage where they took the boys out, right, hunting, and they took the girls and they taught them about menstruation and all of these things and they helped them to individuate in a way that was healthy and also co-create with the community. So there was kind of this both and that happened. Now, today we don't really have that, at least from not from my experience. If, not, if you weren't raised in a tribe, not necessarily. Nobody sat me down and took me through an initiation when I was going through menstruation. I don't want you going through pain and suffering, my friend. Oh, part of life, right? <laughs> it's part of life. The pain and the suffering is part of life, and um, and it's okay. I just you cry and you get through it. <laughs> it's, it's part of life, and there's these ebbs and flows, and it's not easy. 
It's not easy. This life is not easy. Um, but it's beautiful. There's beauty in it, even in the hardships, even in the hurt and the pain. There's beauty in it. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that before I get into the book. You know, I'm still, obviously, I'm struggling to communicate it because I'm coming up with the words of the experience that I'm going through. Applying the process of alchemy to all parts of my life. And when you apply it, there is a consequence. There is a result. Okay. Tell me what 100-yard alchemist is. <laughs> I'm just interested to know. What sort of alchemy are you applying to your life at this time? <laughs> me, boundaries. Easy, not. People don't like them. They want you to have none. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm going to just... Until I can gather. Good morning. I'm an herbalist. Oh, nice. Yay. That's awesome. What kind of herbs are you working with specifically? I wanted to work with um, mushrooms, not just, you know, psychedelics. I'm talking about all mushrooms. Mushrooms being like the coolest thing on the planet, in my opinion. <laughs> Fungi and all that stuff. Um, what herbs? Okay, I'm going to just uh, <laughs> go on. Stay to be. Good morning. Okay, I'm going to go on. I'm going to read out of the book. No more emo stuff from me right now. Okay, the elements of heaven. Okay, the alchemists believe that just as there are elements that make up physical reality in the below, so must there be similar elements in the above through which the Godhead operates. That's right. I did talk about this the other day where I believe that they were incorrect in this book in their um, theory about what is the above and the below. So the above, they've put into a masculine form. Um, and I was talking about that um, earlier. So, you know, they, they, so here we go. Let me just read it. They saw these heavenly elements as universal principles, a trinity of forces acting on everything, using the same intuitive process that proved to prove them to be existed for archetypal elements in the below. So did they, um, that there were three basic forces in the above. And the idea that goes back to the roots of alchemy, as we can see from this section called Chaledian uh, uh, oracles written in the monotheistic uh, Persian mystic around 600 BCE, for the mind of the father said that all things should be cut into three. Um, those will ascend in, um, and all those things were so divided. For the mind of the eternal father spoke in three parts governing all things by mind. Here's where the issue comes in. Um, now, I have charts, and I think I told you guys this last time we were speaking of charts and models that show that we are in a patriarchal um, model. And that is, to me, in theoretically, now you guys can do your own alchemy, do your own reading. Um, but when it comes to my alchemy, I say that that theory is incorrect. Um, and I do not believe that the above is in, in a pyramid, upward facing pyramid. Now, I believe it's in three parts, but the three parts um, are not the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, this can cause a bunch of controversy for individuals and perhaps an upheaval in individuals who are indoctrinated towards religious beliefs. 
So if they're believing in, you know, things like that. Now, it's not to say that they're wrong for their belief, um, but in theoretically, the way that I see life, I'm going to say no. Now, that's me. But if you go back to all alchemy from the beginning, and this is where I think things got a little bit jacked up, is that they did put everything in the patriarch. Now, prior to that, it was in the matriarch. And so looking at a world between those two paradigms, we get some very different outcomes based on that. The outcomes of how society operates, how people see and view the world, how we interconnect with everything around us, right, will change vastly based on the way that we are perceiving the world around us and through which lens. And the big thing for us to do is to consummate both the sacred feminine and masculine, not one or the other, but both together. Okay, I grew over 160 medicinal plants, so I don't work with just one. That's so awesome. I love it. I love that you grow plants. I think that's amazing. I love my plant people. <laughs> plants will heal, right? We either eat to heal, right? Or we eat and to death, right? Because there's diet or there's health. So herbs are critical. I've been taking a lot of herbs because I've been having some congestion. <laughs> I know a little bit about herbs, but I'm not an herbalist. So I love my herbalists. Okay. So... Um, to these three original celestial elements, alchemists assigned the names of chemical substances that exhibit, exhibited similar characteristics. They called the father masculine principle sulfur. To the son or androgynous principle, they gave the name mercury. And to the mother or the feminine principle within matter, they also called salt. Just as the elements of the below partake in the characteristics of earth in their manifestation, so do the elements of the above share the spiritualizing element of air. Thus, airy or eternal fire corresponds to sulfur, airy watery corresponds to mercury, and airy earth corresponds to salt. Most of us are already familiar with these three archetypal forces from the above, since they recur throughout the world's religions. Now, here we go. This is where religions come from. Now, religion, good morning, Christina, religion again being um, <laughs> religion being the indoctrination, um, there were rites of passage in there. Um, and so it's really hard when we talk about alchemy, alchemy is not a religion. Um, and it's just the honoring of natural law or the process of natural law. So it's not necessarily religion. However, it is the foundation for religion. So we, our people, will construct whole religions, thought processes, and their own paradigms through the process of alchemy, which is interesting because now we see a world full of alchemy and not really understanding how we got here. And it's kind of funny. I've been watching, I like to watch shows because shows um, kind of talk about it. And there's a show that is starting to go into alchemy. And I, I don't know if you guys watch shows on TV or whatnot, but there's one called Discovery of the Witches. And it's funny because she's talking about alchemy. And it's like, I just laugh because I'm like, 
yeah, people will understand that when you go back into ancient times, this is what they utilized in order to construct their religious beliefs and to, to put it together into something that was foundational and operational in a construct that man can follow, a process that man can follow. It was a construct, a programming, right? And so this, it becomes difficult for people of religious practice to understand. It's not saying that they're right, wrong, good, or bad for believing what they believe or that they should stop having their own religion because of it. But spiritual alchemy is the process and the foundation in which it was created. You see, religion is words put to paper. And it's an understanding. And then what it is, is a contract. And it's a contract that we agree to the rules written in this doctrine. We agree to what it says. We believe it to be the truth. But where did that truth come from? How did that truth come to be? Well, it came to be through the observation of natural law, which is the highest form of law. And the words, the logos, was utilized to construct or to to dictate or to to write down a process in which we were seeing natural law occur kind of like you growing plants if you wrote a book you would be looking and observing the process It's actually funny how most people think alchemy is some weird, evil thing, but not willing to look deeper. Yeah, and they did that on purpose, right? They made alchemy out to be evil so that people wouldn't understand the process. See, they have it. They created it from alchemy. Their religions were born from alchemy. And in order to keep people blind to the truth, they made it wrong, just like they made the sacred feminine wrong and dirty like be a virgin if you're a virgin you're pure once you once you're not you're not pure you're dirty what get the hell out of here <laughs> what does that even mean no and so the purity of life right when we look at the purity of life to be honest with you life is more messy than it is pure <laughs> life is a big mess right when you're working with plants you, the plants don't, are they're not born from this purity. They're born out of the dirt and the murk and the more manure and stuff that you put on them, the healthier the plant. <laughs> Which is opposite of what we think, right? So in alchemy, we use it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the everything. And sometimes we ourselves are going through these very, very trying processes that feel icky, don't feel so good. And we're just trying to grow into this blossom, into this beautiful lotus, right? The lotus even is a great depiction. And that's why they use the lotus over and over again. It, it's born out of, it can be born out of manure and gross crap. And then this beautiful flower just sits on top. So we have to, in order to purify, go through all of this, this murky murk, and it's part of the process that's important. So in alchemy, they made it wrong. They made it bad. Don't look at it. It's evil. Because then if it was evil, and they have the right way to get you into the gates of heaven and whatever it is, right, then you stop looking at it and you're afraid of it. 
But anybody, especially a botanist or someone who's an herbalist or working with plants would know the process of alchemy and look at it and understand it. You're taking notes. You're watching how the plants, what do they respond to? And you're creating a process. And that process then gets written and it gets passed down. Well, it's the same thing as religion. Okay. There was an observation of something. They wrote it down. That observation then became um, a book. It became a doctrine. It became a piece of, of living, breathing, writing, literature that people read, believed in, and said, this is the truth. But who's to know the truth? Not really anybody, to be honest with you. I, I'm still trying to figure out my own truth. <laughs> Crazy life is. Okay, so yes, you're absolutely right. People are afraid of alchemy, but it's coming out. It's And it's funny because they relate it to witches, right? Anybody who's in alchemy, they relate to witches. Um, I've been called a witch many times over in my life. Um, and the reality is I'm, I'm an alchemist. I'm a spiritual alchemist. That's it. That's simple. Okay. And you know, people can read about it. There's books about alchemy. Um, and you can read about it. Now you can, I would say, don't apply it to your life right away unless you're ready to, for the consequences that come with it. Right. And that's where I started. I started about boundaries because boundaries is part of a process, right? To be able to separate the gross from the from the, the dos and, and separate the two. And when you separate the two, trust me, it's not easy. There's a lot of shit that comes up. You have to put fire to it in order to burn it up. But a new, something anew arises. And if you understand why you're doing it and for what purpose you're doing it and that there are consequences and allow yourself to go through the process of doing that, then apply it to your life. Because there is going to be a ripple effect when we do this stuff. It's just like with your plants, right? You're like trying to figure out the right amount of water, the right um, air temperature, the right amount of sun just to make it grow exactly how it should. And that takes a lot of time and effort and patience. And then you might do something and, oh my God, it, it doesn't work. It all comes tumbling down. We have to look at those results, process the results, and then move on and start again. <sighs> Life is hard. Okay. Sorry. Okay, most of us are already familiar with these three archetypal forces. Um, in Christianity, they call it the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. In Taoism, these forces are heaven, man, and earth. Similarly, um, they speak of the three uh, super supernals. Buddhists have their triple jewel, um, and Hindus have the uh, trimiritri. Um, the ancient Upanishads refer to the expression of the three principles within man as a causal, subtle, and gross bodies. These are what I would rather refer to, the, the causal, subtle, and gross bodies. Historians see them played out in human dramas as will, providence, and destiny. 
Hey, Poetic. Hey, Nightfire. Hey, buddy. So, this is where I like it. Now, here we go. We see the Trinity showing up in different um, places, okay? The, the one thing that they've done is they've taken it and, and, again, they've put it into a masculine form. And I don't agree with it. And um, how do you feel about Perselius? Perselsus? Um, Paracelsus, Paracelsus. Tell me what that is. I actually don't know what that is. Paracelsus. Um, tell me what it is, and I'll tell you how I feel. <laughs> um, so the causal, the subtle, and the gross bodies, I think, are the best way for us to describe, or for me to describe it, because from my my worldview, that's the way I see it. Now, you guys can see from your overall view. And this is, I think, where most of conflict comes in for people when it comes to alchemy, because in religious doctrine, he was an alchemist that spoke against science. Oh, um, I don't know that I've ever read his stuff. Maybe I have. Give me um, some quotes from him. We need science and we need intuition. So we need both. And that's, for me... Um, I can tell you just based on what I know in terms of, suggest the question, I'm going to just take a, I like to answer questions. Um, so I don't know what he said against science or how he spoke against science. Um, I would say this, um, when, oh, actually it goes into this, what I'm speaking about in the gross, the dos and all that stuff. When the biggest lie that has been told to us, and I've been said, said this over and over again with religion, and here's where the big conflict comes from in the trinity itself um in the separation when we started to understand separation right black right uh black white right wrong good bad all this crap that we created right was a separation and in that separation became two right we went from one to two from two to three when we constructed the trinity right one of the trinity went into a masculine form that masculine form then sought out science i mean it went so far left and that's what we see today we're so ingrained in the masculine perspective and 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 way of seeing the world that scientists can't see past that they 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 their imagination has gone is gone there's no imagination in it it's all numbers and science so here's how I feel. We need both. Okay. We need both. Both meaning we need both intuition and we need science. And when we marry the two, we have co-creation with the divine. Now, what they did is they took the Trinity and they said, okay, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. However, they're trying to put the feminine principle back into it with the actual elements that they work with. Where in any of that, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you see that the sacred feminine is honored? So we'll say that the Holy Spirit itself, if you look at, oh, so let's go back to religious doctrine, which is going to, it's hard for people when you talk about these things because they have this belief and it's not going against their belief. It's talking about the construct of how the religion or the foundation of how the religion was con constructed. 
the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what being the divine, what Father? It's still in a masculine form. We we we've never. You should read about him. He said that science would be the downfall of man because it leads people to think with worldly knowledge. Yeah. Um, yes and yes and no. Science is is a downfall, and it's not. Science made COVID. Yes, of course. So we're looking at the patriarch. So I'm trying to bring you guys back to look at the Trinity. Go further back and look at where the root of all of it came from. It came from the Trinity. So the Trinity itself is within religion even. Science is in religion even because it's all the way left and masculine. So what we do is we associate the science to the masculine form, to the left brain, logic, right? Then we have intuition and imagination on the other spectrum. So we can't take out science completely and we can't take out imagination completely. The goal in any alchemist's life is to find the balance between the two the equilibrium between science and intuition. We're too far left because we're seeing everything through a three-dimensional time space. It's a it's it's the patriarch and that's that's the issue. There's not it's not that the patriarch's wrong or there's something wrong with being patriarchal or having patriarch. We need both. That's the problem. We need to reintegrate. Um well it came from a country that doesn't believe um, believe what? Sorry. It came from a, a country that doesn't believe what? Sorry. I don't know. Anything. You mean like atheists? Because atheism leads to science. So the more scientific, the more atheist you're going to be. You're not going to believe in something divine. And that at least that's the way I see it. The further that you get away from religious or I don't even want to say religion. The more that you get away from the imagination and intuition or the collective unconscious or whatever you want to call it, the further that you get away from it, the closer, the more you get, you're drawn to atheism or not believing in anything. And I think that's what you're talking about, Lurak. So yes, science is, it could be the downfall. Doesn't mean it has to be the downfall of man. We have a, we have a, it is our time to reclaim it. Let's just put it that way. We can reclaim it. And people, and that's why I see, you know, there's what, five, six people on here now really trying to understand what alchemy is, trying to dive deep into, well, what is alchemy? The more people that do that, the more people that are starting to wake up and starting to understand alchemy, the more we're going to start to untangle this piece. And we have an opportunity to change the paradigm, to change the storyline to redirect it, to heal the traumas that came from all of this craziness that was created. But it's going to take a hell of a lot of us to wake up. Religions are illegal in China. Um, tell me what you mean. I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't know that they were illegal in China. What do you mean religions? You mean they're only under one? It's communism, right? Is that the religion? I don't know. 
Okay, so we have the triple. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, we've gone too far masculine. It's become scientific. They arrest you. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? If you can't have your beliefs. So if you believed in alchemy, if you're a spiritual alchemist, because I don't call myself religious, I call myself an alchemist. And in that process of alchemy, I go with what is. Not making up what's not. See, people live in a delusion as well. We can go so far to believe in this illusion and then become delusional that that's reality. Again, it's a fine line. You have to find the middle path, right? That's why I love Buddhism. It tells you, find the middle path. That's what it's telling you. If we go too far left, we're going to cause more suffering. If we go too far right, we're going to cause more suffering. So what do we do? We find the middle. The middle is the path that we take as alchemists to co-create with the divine. And when you do this and you balance yourself and you become this equilibrium, right? When you become equal on both sides, the people on either side can't see you. It's almost like you're invisible, like you're wearing an invisibility cloak. Like they can't even see you. And there's no other way to describe it except for you to experience it for yourself. So ask yourself, am I too far left? Or am I too far right? And how do I find my middle? Because it's going to be different for everybody. Some people live in the clouds where they're living in this dream time world. And they're not really applying anything to their life, which is the people that are the being people. They're the ones who be, 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 and don't do anything. And then you have the ones who are doing, 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 doing. <clears throat> and then they forget to be. And so we're trying to find the middle between the being and the doing, basically. So you don't travel on the wet or the dry path. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It's hard to understand with your questions. Hey, Bahram, I haven't heard from you in a while, seen you in a while. Tell me what you mean by the wet and dry path. I travel along many paths, so I'm not sure what that means. Specific. Give me an example. That would be good. And thank you for the questions. I love when people ask questions. Um, super helpful. Um, okay, so let's see. So we have the causal, the subtle, and the gross bodies, and I'll wait for you to respond and keep going on. Historians see them played out in the human drama as will, providence, and destiny. Um, in most generalized terms, we're talking about the universal force, energy, consciousness, and matter. Here we go. And this is the simple piece that I'm talking about. The great traditionalist philosopher, Rene um, who undertook the uh, in-depth study of the trinity of celestial elements believed that they were forces that were present in any act of manifestation. He referred to the active principle the alchemist called sulfur as essence, the passive principle of salt as substance, and recoiling principle of mercury as the mediator. Okay, so again, we need three. Um, hi, happy new year. Hope you and everyone here are well. Can't stay. I'm at work. Don't have headphones with me today. Oh, well, Happy New Year to you. And I hope that you can get on soon. Love having you here. Love that you showed up. Thank you for saying Happy New Year. <laughs> okay. And I'm still waiting to hear what the 100-yard alchemist has to say. Um, if you can support me there, that would be great. Okay. 
Um, Universal's truths revealed in the Emerald Talbot and saw this formula, a path to spiritual enlightenment. Heaven is his father. Earth is his mother. Okay. So again, we have it in his, 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 his. This drives me nuts. It's not about him or gender. In alchemy, there's two paths to choose, the wet path and the dry path. Okay, go ahead. The dry path takes extreme heat. The wet path takes extreme takes water. We need all of it. Okay, um, I don't know what alchemy you're reading or if you're applying this to your life. We need both and. So my alchemy is not either or. It's both and. There's, there's, in alchemy, it's a balancing of the all the elements together. So now I don't know what, for me, okay, and maybe you have um, some other paradigm that you're looking through, or I don't know what you're reading. I don't know where your alchemy was created in Jupiter in the times they had gods. Um, so I'm not sure. Yes, it was created from Egypt. And I should have my friend Raven come on, who's, um, she's an alchemist as well. But I'm not sure what book that came from or where you read that from, okay? But you can send me the information, totally read it, and totally um, try to understand what thought process uh, you're coming from in terms of that. I can tell you from my perspective and what I know. Now, I don't use either or, both and. The only paths that I know of and that I'm aware of and that I apply to my life are <laughs> sorcery and magic, okay? Sorcery being manipulation. Magic being supporting others into the light or co-creating with, okay? So you can look at it as sorcery being the dark arts and Magician being the light arts, basically. Okay. Now, if you're applying the dry or the wet into sorcery or magic, then perhaps I can make a connection to what you're talking about. Okay. Otherwise, I would say I'm not choosing dry or wet. I'm using all elements because you have to. You have to use earth, water, air, fire, and everything you do. Now, again, this is not applied in the material world per se so your perspective could be working with the earth right because you're working with plants which is a little bit different different than applying it to the soul if you're applying it to your life and enlightenment there's going to be a distinction and a difference in how you operate alchemy is an Arab belief alchemy is in everything because it's the, the observation of natural law. Now, 100 Yard Alchemist works with alchemy through plants, which is probably one of the most profound ways to engage because natural law unfolds in nature, in plants, literally. And we see un the consciousness arising from. But for the plant, right, itself, it needs all everything. It needs all of it. So I'll wait for you to um, perhaps, you know, give me some more insight as to what you're saying. But I will, and I'm always open to reading. So if you have some sort of reading that you'd like me to look at, 
um, I would love to do that. Right? I don't leave anything out. And maybe I'll have a better understanding of what you're asking and what the, what these two paths you're talking about are. So send it to me. Um, you can email me at spiritandbrew at gmail.com or if there's a book that you're thinking of specifically that you read this from, um, you can drop it here or um, or you if it's something you read online, you can drop it here. Arabs brought it to Spain in the 8th century. Yes. Yes, and it was, it derived and it came from. We can say that there's other ways to look at the world, right? You don't have to be an alchemist. For me, why I go this way is because it is the observation of natural law. It is looking at nat at nature itself and the laws of nature and how they operate within us and within the world. Also, I'm, I'm wondering and I'm gathering from this wet and dry that you're talking about the microcosm and not the macrocosm. So, um, yeah, I think I just need a little bit more. And I'll do some research myself to try to uh, see what you're talking about. Um, I usually do that when people give me stuff that I'm like, I'm not sure what they mean. I'll do a little bit of research to try to understand and comprehend. And hopefully I have a better answer. Um, you can answer yourself as well, um, 100 Yard Alchemist, you know, what you think you are. Are you wet or dry or what are you? <laughs> are you a wet path or a dry path? I believe God controls this planet for good. And Satan controls the planet for bad. Okay, well, that's good. And that if that belief serves you, so I will say this, Lurak, if it serves you, if it helps you to, I would say, and, and maybe this is not your hope, but it's my hope, to experience bliss, joy, and happiness and love, then that's awesome. I travel on the, okay, tell me what you mean by that. What do you mean on the wet path? And please give me some information on where you're getting this from. That's what I would like to know. Anything alchemy that you guys don't feel I'm covering, send it my way. I will read it. Okay. Okay. So heaven is his father. Earth is his mother. Um, the great triad. So reads the formula. Always exactly the same whenever it occurs, regardless of the time or place that defines the nature of the relationship between man and the other two terms of the great triad, describing him as the son of heaven and earth. Okay. The very fact that this is an, um, an, an initiatic formula is itself a clear indication that if we, are under, if we understand it in its fullest sense, it must not just be thought of as, as referring to ordinary man who is a product of present world conditions, but as describing a true man, all um, of whose possibilities the initiate is also called upon to realize within himself. Okay, remember um, that alchemy is, and this is again spiritual alchemy applied to the self, right? How do we apply alchemy to the to the self? How do we find the philosopher's stone within ourself? We are the stone. We are our remedy. Again, coming back to ourself, as Lurak said, I believe in God. I believe in Satan. I believe one does this. I believe one does that. 
that's fine. The question is, how does that serve you in, in who you are, in your intentions and in co-creation in this world? How does that support you? How is that moving you forward in your life? And those are the bigger questions. Well, because it helps me to be a better person. Okay, good. Awesome. But there's an internal alchemy that's happening in that belief system. Okay. There's something that happens. You're correct in saying that it requires all the elements to achieve the ultimate goal, but one path is far more consequential than the other. I think you're talking about sorcery magic, but you're calling it wet and dry. At least that's what I'm thinking. I don't know because you've given, I don't have any information on what you mean. So if you send me information, that's cool. I'll read it. Um, I would say that in sorcery, if you're equating it to the wet and dry, or those are the terms that you're using, right? Um, is that, you know, the, the sorcery is the manipulation of alchemy. It's the, it's what we see in our world today. There's been a big, huge manipulation. Um, they've manipulated, um, <laughs> they've bastardized science basically, or the natural world. They've manipulated it, and that's why we see this craziness. Um, and people say, well, we don't want it in the hands of the people who are going to do bad. Well, they already have. It's already in those hands, and we see that. That's why we've gone so far left. That's why science is manipulating natural law. They're trying to manipulate things that they can't. They don't know what they're doing, and you're right. It's consequential, and we see this um, you know, with CERN. CERN doing all these things. They want to create whole universes. They're trying to do all these crazy things, right? And that's manipulation of natural law. If we were magicians and worked with nature, right, we'd have a completely different world. We'd be working in harmony with nature, not trying to manipulate it for our own gain. So I think that's what you're talking about. Um, and I kind of think, but I don't know. And I, I, I can't know until I read, until I know who's actually writing it as well. Here's another thing about alchemists. They apply different terminology to the same thing, okay? So in other words, sorcery and, ma and magic, they're going to call it wet and dry because someone came up with that alchemy. And someone said, oh, if you go this way, you become dry and maybe the fire, you know, I can see maybe the dry would be, um, perhaps the manipulation or sorcery. If I, if I pulled it, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull from what I know of alchemy and come up with a theory of what I think you're saying. Not sure until I read, but can almost can be sure. Fire. When we put fire to, um, anything, we get divine will. Um, but we can also get manipulation of elements. So I would say dry would be what we call sorcery, perhaps. Wet, I mean, I don't know how that would, maybe emotions, maybe one's emotions and one's science. You need both though. So I can't even see myself taking one or the other um, down sorcery or magic. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Because if you apply water to everything, you're drowning out with emotion wet being you know the purification of something for sure we purify through water um but we also purify through fire as well 
And when we purify through fire, yes, things dry up, but we also need water too. So we need both. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they called it wet and dry. Okay. I'll have to look into it. Let's see. Do you believe um, has always tried to play God and has always failed? Do you believe who? I think you forgot a word there. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Has always tried to play God and has always. Yeah, I think so. I think we do. We're so full of ourselves. <laughs> I might piss some people off. We are so full of ourselves. Let me tell you. I have to check myself all the time. Right? Because why? Because ego. There's, and I've talked about it before. Um, if you look on that movie, and I love it, Devil's Advocate, because at the end, what does it say? It says vanity, my favorite sin, right? Because we think we have the ultimate truth. Everybody thinks they have the ultimate truth. And the reality is we don't. We don't hold the ultimate truth. We hold our truth, which is a truth in the little t, right? A small t, but not the ultimate truth. No man could hold the ultimate truth. It's not possible. It's that I told somebody, watch the crystal skulls at the end, right? She wants to know everything about the universe. And they're like, no, you can't do that. And what does she do? She's like, no, show it all to me. And she explodes. You see, because we're material. We're material. We, it, it's too vast for us to even grasp, you know, but science. And, and here's the thing. If you go into science, everything's a theory. It's all theoretical. They won't tell you they know for sure. They don't know causation. They can't say, oh, this is causation. They'll, they'll come up with something, but it's still theory. We can't know it all. It's too much for us to know. But I do believe that man thinks that they do. And they come to this point where they think that they can master everything, the universe. Really, they should be mastering themselves. They don't even know how to master themselves. They're going to master the universe. Get over themselves. Come on. <laughs> We could spend our lifetime trying to figure out who we are and how we operate. Now, we are a universe and we're a microcosm of the macrocosm, which is cool. It gives us some insight and some knowing about how things process and operate, which is awesome. Now, this is, and I can, and let me just go a little further for you, Lurak, before, and I'll make this my last thing. So I kind of feel like I'm all over the place and it's probably because I haven't been feeling well and my thoughts are like all over the place. So I'm sorry, you guys, if I'm all over the place today, but we created gods in order to not put God into ourselves completely. So when we look at myth, when we look at archetypes, okay, our energies, I don't, they don't even have to be called archetypes. If we look at the gods and the goddesses, which then Carl Jung called archetypes, whatever. They were gods and goddesses, whatever you want to call them. Archetypes, energy potentials, energy patterning, all of the personalities that exist within us, all of that energy matter that has come into us. Okay. We created myths and stories around it so that we don't have to take on the full responsibility of calling ourselves a god. Because we're we we might be micro pieces of God. Right? We're an extension of God, but we are not God. But we are God, but we're not, if that makes sense. And you can say God, universe, whatever you call it, okay? We're going to use the word God. Okay? So we created God. Yes, we did. We created God. 
in order for us to, because we can't, how do you tell me this? How can we take on all that energy potential? We created God. God created us both. Both. We created the word God to try to describe everything that we were experiencing. So the word itself has so many connotations to people, right? So we use the word universe creator. Um, you know, there's the whole paradigms of like, we were born from, it always was, it is. They call it it. They call it different names, Yahweh. They call it, you know, all these different names. We can't put a name to it. Once you put a name to it, it's not that anymore, right? That's where that beginning comes from. So I'll say God as the all-encompassing everything. But we are too tiny to ha understand it all. We, there's no way we can embody it all. If we did, we'd disappear, explode, or become part of the all again. Okay, what's another good visual? Oh, Lucy. If you guys have watched the word uh, movie Lucy. Have you guys watched that movie? That's a good example of kind of being the all in the nothing. At the end of the movie, she becomes everything and nothing, but she disappears. So we, in order for us to describe what was happening, we've created and constructed these gods and goddesses. And this goes back to ancient myth. It goes back, there wasn't a distinction between animals and people. Animals were like humans and humans were like animals and we were one. And then we separated. And then the storyline began. And as the storyline began, we started to use hydroglyphics and we started to try to describe, and that's why I call it alchemy, because we were trying to explain and observe what we were seeing and we put words and labels and symbols to it then we started to co-create and construct and we started to see patterns within things and we started to say well these patterns and history repeats itself well yeah it repeats itself because there's an energy force that is embodied in us that we can't really understand we can't hold on to it. You can't grasp your personality. Can you hold on to it? No, it's fleeting. You're different with different people. So we had to give it a place. But if we tried to embody everybody's personality all at once, what do you think would happen? We all have our different temperaments. We all have our own unique archetypal patterning, our own different way of perceiving the world, our own experiences of it. Our flesh looks the same, but it's constructed differently. Our hands look the same, but mine's might be longer. You see, we're unique and not unique at the same time. It's pretty interesting. And the more that you reflect upon that and try to understand that and say, wow, could I be everything and nothing at the same time? You can, but you can't stay there forever. You're going to grasp on to some sort of temperament, some sort of personality, some sort of energy is going to land within you. And then we talk about the mind and how the mind plays out on hanging on to a personality or to a way of being that actually supports us in being grounded onto this plane field, onto this three-dimensional time space. If we let it go completely, 
We have nothing to identify with. Eventually you would die. That's what would happen. You would disappear. And there's no way that you can hold everybody's energy inside you. Too much. Splendor, Solace, Ullman, Inertia Prima. I have a library's worth of books on alchemy. These are just a few. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'll take that down. And your libraries, you can send me books that you think I should read. I'm always open to that. Um, I love sharing books as well. So if there's any books that you would like me to share with you, um, I can do that as well. I had started a, on Facebook a thing where I shared books, but, you know, people, I don't know, people don't read as much today, so that's why I typically read on here. But, um, yeah, and if you have any any information that you want to share in terms of your, specifically your wet and dry um, stuff that you were talking about, you can send that to me as well, and I'll take a look at it. Um, just to see what mind frame you're coming from. What is it that you're you're thinking? Um, so that I can understand. Remember, in alchemy, it's not a one set way, right? It's not my way, not your way. It, that's not alchemy at all. Alchemy applies different symbology, different logos, different ways of describing the same exact thing. So your words may be tied to the same kind of understanding that I have with different words. And that's usually what gets people confused about alchemy, especially if you're applying it to yourself. You'll come up with your own sort of um, construct and way of describing it. And that's why I have my own kind of way of describing my alchemy because it's my, my magic, right? It's my way, just like a hundred yard alchemist has your way and your understanding of the great work. But I'm always open to reading and having different logos to talk about the same thing, right? So that everybody can be part of the dialogue and understand. Um, so there you have it. Okay, so great. Thank you guys for participating. Yes, I'm going through a lot of crap right now. Um, and I feel a little bit off today, which is okay. <laughs> Not as sharp as I normally am, but that's okay. It's because I'm not feeling so well. So there you go. That happens. But I appreciate your participation, 100 Yard Alchemist. Thank you for sharing your, your insights um, and um, and giving me some, some more things to ponder and look upon. Um, and um, yay. <laughs> We're going to get through this together, I promise. Okay, so I love you guys. Have a great day. Um, and I will be talking to you guys soon. Bye-bye.